Legally Blonde, Suits, My Cousin Vinny. All badass lawyers, all different. Which begs the question, what type of lawyer do you want to be? Don't waste another second thinking, ugh, I don't even know what types of lawyers there are. Trust us, we've been there. Let's put a stop to that once and for all. Go take the 90-second quiz from new lawyer now what coach Angela Vorpal to give yourself a clear picture of the best fit type law for you. Go to www.whattypeoflawyerquiz.com and take the quiz today. Once you've taken the quiz, send us a DM on Instagram to let us know what type of lawyer you got. We can't wait to hear. and welcome back to ladies who law school podcast i'm sam and i'm Haley. and this week's episode is brought to you by barcast audio so barcast audio is something that we have used definitely to prepare for finals evidence last semester con law this semester and honestly it's been great. It has all the seven MBE subjects basically to get you ready in podcasts like audio lessons, like what's better than that? Turn it on in the shower, on your commute to your internship, when you're walking your dog, when you're on your Peloton, literally anytime. For all of you studying or about to start studying for the bar, Barcast Audio has a special offer for you guys. You can get the 7 MBE pack that has all the audio lessons for all the subjects that you need to know for the bar for 10% off with our code LAW, L-A-W at BarcastAudio.com. And another word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. So sometimes when you're feeling down, a cup of tea or a nice bubble bath might help clear your mind. But what about when you can't clear your mind or move out of that overwhelming feeling? BetterHelp is there for you. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional counselor. No, it's not a crisis help center. No, it's not a help hotline. It's professional counseling done securely online. Log into your account at any time and message with your counselor or schedule phone calls or even video chats. It's more convenient and more affordable than traditional counseling. So use betterhelp.com slash LWLS. So this week we have a very exciting guest. Um, you guys, if you watch Court TV, you've probably seen her, which is, uh, you know, celeb status, which is awesome. Right. She also teaches at a very prestigious law school in Georgia. So we are so excited that we got to talk to her and pick her brain and you know it's a good one she's so inspiring and she's like the real life Elle Woods so let's dive in with our very special guest please help me welcome our guest Miss Molly Parmer so Molly tell us a little bit about yourself so I am Molly Parmer I am a criminal defense lawyer in Atlanta Georgia My practice is a solo practice, and I focus on what I describe as high-stakes cases, mostly in federal court. Um, But in addition to running my firm and being a trial lawyer, I also divide my time between 
teaching. I'm an adjunct at Emory Law, where I teach advanced criminal trial advocacy, and I do a little media work. I'm a regular on court TV. Um, And besides that, uh, I enjoy doing things like this, podcast interviews and anything that kind of spreads the word about women in uh, the legal profession doing what we do. So why don't we go back to law school? Where did you go to law school? Why did you choose that law school? And tell us a little bit about that journey. I went to Emory Law, where I I teach now. For me, I went to law school. It was a second career, right? So I already had a career. I was a special education teacher. And I had done that for five years. And I went back to school because I love school. You know, I'm an academic And uh, my husband was earning his PhD and it seemed from my perspective to be something that might be easier (laughs) than what I was doing as a special ed teacher. And I wanted, I always knew I wanted to go to graduate school in some capacity and I love being a student. So ultimately I thought about law school because I like reading and writing and researching. I like rigorous academics. It seemed to be a good fit. But at the same time, um, I grew up, you know, poor and had kind of a background, even as a teacher, you know, I think I was a member of the working poor. So for me, it came down to, is this an economic decision that makes sense? So if I could get a full scholarship, I would go to law school. And if I couldn't, then I I wouldn't. Um, And I applied all over and got into many great schools that I'm sure some people would be very confused as to why I would not go there, but it was my decision made a lot of sense for me. I'm really glad that I went where I went, but I I was able to get a full ride and a stipend to go to Emory law where I was a Woodruff fellow. And looking back, I wouldn't change a thing. That's amazing. So uh, what is a Woodruff fellow? So Emory, like a lot of law schools, has a named fellowship where you go through this process of after you've applied, they, they bring you down and they interview you. I had a whole weekend with um, a lot of meet and greets and then ultimately a bit of a fire, firing squad where I sat in a, a room and I was asked a lot of questions about who I was and what I wanted to do. And despite the competition being pretty tremendous, for whatever reason, they chose me. And financially, what it meant was that I was not only not paying tuition and fees, I also had this stipend and economically it made a ton of sense. And when you go to, a, you know, otherwise that school is, is, I think, very costly. So I had never been to a private school. A girl like me um, was pretty impressed for a number of reasons that this was even going to be an option. And then to be able to go and have tuition waived was, was just incredible. That's really cool. So when you were in law school, what would you say were some of your biggest accomplishments and biggest struggles? Well, because I had already had a career, um, I came to law school, I think, in a fairly different position than a lot of my peers. Uh, Emory, overall, the students come straight from undergrad. But I was, I had a not even just a nine to five, like a seven to five kind of very demanding job. I had my, you know, my little world was already 
set in stone in some ways. So I was in school with kids that were fresh from undergrad and hoping to establish that world, hoping to establish who they were with and what they were doing and whatever kind of life they wanted to create. My life was created. and I was adding law school to it. Um, and I think that did in some ways make it a bit more challenging. Um, I definitely struggled with some of the pressure to go to, I guess, big law and have a corporate job and make a lot of money. I don't think I ever was too interested in that. I came to school very open-minded. I wanted to be a student, but I felt like there was this energy sometimes around me where the goal was clearly just to be the best. But the best was defined specifically by grades, summer internship at the big firm, and then an offer at the big firm and this type of money with this type of job. But from my perspective, I was like, okay, for I, I've heard that this is grueling and you have to work like 80 hours a week and you're basically owned by this corporate entity. Like that sounds terrible, but that was not um, how most people perceived it. So uh, that I struggled with that. I wondered, should I even be doing this if the goal is is that type of goal, which for me never, never resonated. I would say also what I did do, what I enjoyed was I was a very involved student. So, you know, even though when it came to things like I never did a summer internship at a firm or anything else, but I loved clubs. <laughs> I loved um, leadership opportunities within clubs. I liked um, some of the more social aspects of law, of law school. And I, I thrived in those capacities. I was a student leader for sure, but I was not somebody who was at all trying to go to an AM100 firm and feel as though that was some sort of vindication. We'll be right back. Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible. Yes, Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries. And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime. Speaking of thrillers, I know you're currently hooked on Never Lie by Frida McFadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go. And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management. What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go, whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. So if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer. So you said you came to law school with a very open mind. So how did you become interested in criminal law? And, you know, how did you know that that was what you wanted to do for the rest of your life? Yeah, it's a good question. 
Um, I kind of came about it uh, through a bit of a, I mean, it, it was a path for sure. It wasn't linear. I came to law school very open-minded and I think part of the fervor surrounding these big firm law jobs was what turned me off. So I knew that wasn't gonna be a good fit. Um, so there was a bit of a process of elimination, but I, for a period of time thought maybe um, I would go into patent law because my undergrad is from Georgia Tech and I had that background of bachelor's of science and thought, well, this is kind of what, what they're telling me to do, right? They, in law school, it, it is a bit formulaic and they encourage you to kind of get in where you fit in. But I knew that was not for me. Um, and I basically had a conversation with a professor at the time who I really loved. She taught con law, she taught evidence, and I really loved her classes. I didn't connect that those classes kind of naturally led into criminal law, but I just had a conversation with her and I said, I'm not really feeling this patent law thing. I'm a 1L, I don't really know which direction to go. And she was on the board of the Georgia Innocence Project. And she said, well, hey, why don't you spend a summer or a semester with the Georgia Innocence Project? I think you'd be a good fit. Um, and it was just kind of that conversation that led me to, to do an in internship with that organization, which to this day now I'm still involved in. I'm now on the executive board. But after that experience, it was just a semester. But the energy and the enthusiasm and what we were actually doing combined with the way the office felt. It was laid back, but it was meaningful. It was everything and anything I could ever want in kind of a legal job. So after that experience, I knew I want to be a public defender. And my next internship was with the public defender's office. I fell in love. My first job was a public defender um, right out of law school. And I guess the rest is history. Very cool. So walk us through that process um, of getting your first job at the public defender's office and, you know, what it's like when you meet your first client and your first trial as a young baby lawyer, as we like to call it. Right. Well, um, you know, the internship experience was so great. Uh, in Georgia, like a number of other states, we have, at the time, it was called the Third Year Practice Act, but now it's just called the Practice Act, and you can actually do it as a 2L. But that experience really solidified my intentions. Once I was in court, standing next to somebody, being the literal advocate on the record, there was no question. So I was able to get the internship. You know, you go through the process of having an interview. I feel like, you know, even for me, it was very competitive. And we're talking how many years ago? 10 years ago. Now, I think criminal law, being a public defender is almost trendy, which is strange because I was one of the few people that wanted to do it at my school, but still overall, um, to get into the office where I interned, there was there was a number of other students that were trying to get in. And you go through the process of a formal interview and I just you know explained my connection to the work and why I was so interested in it. And then once I was hired on, I loved the personalities of my, of, of the lawyers I was working with. I loved, their philosophy. I like their almost, I don't know. I mean, you have to have a sense of humor. I just fit in very well. It was clearly a great fit. And then even beyond that, that bond with clients, right? So on my very first day, 
I roll in and coincidentally, the courtroom I'm assigned to and the attorneys I'm working with, they are picking a jury. I mean, we are going to trial. And I remember, (laughs) I feel like I was a little bit hazed. I was a little (laughs) bit being tested. So my supervising attorney said, do you wear makeup? And I said, well, yes, I do wear makeup. And he said, well, would you bring some of your makeup I'm talking and this is a this is a man you know something for the face like a foundation a base or a a powder and I'm like okay I'm like sure you know this is my boss for the summer and um I go in and (laughs) basically we go in the back so we're picking a jury and we don't know which trial is going to go because as a public defender you may have prepared four or five or six trials in the calendar that could go and we're trying to get ready and they take me to the back, the holding cell, and they have a client and I'm instructed to take my makeup out and cover up his face tattoos <laughs> for the jury. And I think they were testing me to see what would I do, right? And what I did was cover his face tattoos with my makeup. And I think that that, you know, <laughs> it's a moment I'll remember forever. Uh, it wasn't that big of a deal to me. I think they were trying to see if it would be a big deal but I naturally will do anything for a client. I naturally will advocate to the best of my ability and will put my client in front of the jury in the best way that I know how to get them that not guilty. And so that was my first day. (laughs) That was my first experience as a baby lawyer was bringing my little sack of my own makeup and then um, covering face tattoos in the back before we brought the client out for his jury trial. (laughs) What a story. So how long were you a public defender before you decided to go out on your own? I was a public defender in that same office for about two and a half years. And then I became a federal defender. So I was a federal defender for about four and a half, almost five years. And then in November of 2019, I launched my firm. So I had almost eight years of public defense behind me before I became a solo practitioner. So tell us about opening up your own firm. I mean, we definitely have thought about doing that one day. Um, what's your tips? Well, it's amazing. I, um, I loved being a public defender. It's still a huge part of my identity. I feel like I'm recent enough from it and everybody that I worked with and all the things that I did are still so close and still part of my everyday life. However, it is very clear to me that what I'm doing now is what I am supposed to be doing. Um, It's incredible. I mean, I'm very driven. I'm very independent (laughs) to a fault, independent to a fault for sure. I have had the greatest bosses. I have had female, incredibly well-respected, important lawyers leading the charge at both of the public defender's offices that I worked at. There was no reason, I never felt like the issue was bosses that I've had in the past. Regardless, I very much wanted to be my own boss. And that's what this gig affords you. I mean, I'm, I'm in control, I'm in charge. And there's something about that that naturally my personality lends itself very well to doing. Um, but what I did was I had a little bit of a plan. I knew this was something I wanted to do. Um, and I kind of planned, I would say, for about a year out. And what you have to have, I would say, is some some resources. So I had some savings and I had a business plan. And you ultimately outsource a lot of this, right? So you don't just invent, you know, you don't invent the wheel or you don't just kind of create it all yourself from scratch. I hired somebody 
who said, here's how you launch a law firm. Here is what you need. Here is everything on a checklist that you should be going through and making sure you have. So I was handheld through the process. And at the same time, I was going through kind of this tried and true approach to doing the launch so that things were fairly seamless. It wasn't traumatizing. It wasn't difficult. It actually kind of all made sense. And I felt like at any time I could pick up the phone and call someone for advice or insight, but I definitely didn't go into it um, as, as someone from public interest, not knowing anything about it. I mean, I went into it blindly on some level with incredible help from somebody who was an expert in how to open a firm. So my, my tips and my advice would be outsource when you need to outsource. There are experts who do this and hiring them is probably the best decision that you can make. So when you first started your firm, how do you get clients? You know, when you're first starting out, like I'm, I'm trying, like, I'm sure you market uh, your, you know, your website and who you are, but how do you really get those first few clients? Honestly, for me, I don't know how I would get clients if I didn't have the experience I already had. So it's difficult for me to imagine. And I think it's doable. I think you outsource again, you hire somebody if you're straight from law school and they handhold you through the process. I think it's doable, but I am well aware that what has kept my caseload as what it is and has brought me great clients is the fact that I had an existing reputation. I also am in a small kind of niche area of practice. I'm a federal defense lawyer. So few attorneys do federal criminal defense. It's a little bit, you know, it's kind of a bit of an ivory tower. I mean, it is what it is, but I, I was, <laughs> I was in as a federal defender and became pretty well known pretty quickly um, as a young federal defender, one of the youngest, if not the youngest in the office at the time. And much of my referral base comes from federal defenders. If they meet somebody who is just arrested, for example, a white collar case or somebody who intends on hiring counsel, the first person who's going to touch base with them is the federal defender. Because whenever you're arrested, you have that immediate consultation. And on the off chance that somebody knows they're going to hire private counsel, they may say, who do you recommend? And the federal defender, you know, my good friends, my former colleagues, they recommend me. So that has been a big source of my practice is that, that those referrals that come from my former employee really have been a game changer, I think. So what would you say is like your favorite practice area within being a federal defender? What do you really enjoy doing or what have you covered? Yeah. Well, I like, I like federal practice a lot. Federal practice is, um, you know, state, state court can be very chaotic, right? When I was a, a defense lawyer in state court, you walk into a courtroom and there are 120 people on the calendar. It feels a little bit like a zoo. I don't know if that provides much dignity for the accused, right? Like you feel like you're processing people. None of that exists in federal court. So overall, I do love federal court just based on the procedure. I love and I didn't know this until I left, really. I thought I, I left thinking, oh, I'm going to take a bunch of state cases. But very quickly, I realized, having been removed from the state system, the federal system offers so many kind of procedural comforts that I did not want to do without. But within even that, um, you know, I like, I always like, I like the cases that um, are often considered difficult to defend. Bad facts, the people that 
others might say from the outside looking in, like, how can you, why would you take this case? Um, do you find this egregious? You know, sure. I mean, <laughs> I like, so, so sex crimes, um, and certainly I like drug, drug crimes and gun crimes, but with federal practice, because you have this jurisdictional hook and almost anything can become federal depending on, you know, whether there was movement across state lines or whether, you know, there's a lot of ways to make it a federal case. So I like those with um, controversial facts. I will say that. I love that. It reminds me of Legally Blonde when she's asked about would she take the case? And she's like, actually, I'll take it because I like a challenge. That, yes. is, that reminds me of. So I freaking love that. That's awesome. I love Legally Blonde. <laughs> right? So yes. tell us about your trial experience. I, I know that's one thing I really want to know. And what are your tips on that for us baby lawyers? Yeah. I mean, I love trial. I think the, the number one tip is do it. You have, you learn by doing. So when you're a little public defender, you get thrown into it and it's so overwhelming. When I was in law school and doing my semester at the public defender's office, I felt very overwhelmed by the prospect of picking a jury or doing a cross-examination or, or an opening statement. I thought there's no reason why I should be doing any of this. I was wrong. There was tons of reasons why I should. You just have to throw yourself in the middle of it. And it feels often like there's no way that you could you could do it. But when you really think about trial skills, it's, I mean, yeah, you have to you know, know the rules of evidence and you have to properly object and make a record. But when it comes to things like an opening or like a closing, it's so much less about the law and more about emotions and storytelling. And so even with teaching, I like to, I like to pull those, I, I like to tell my students, forget everything <laughs> that you've learned about the law. Go back to who you were before the law. And that most authentic version of yourself, that, that version of yourself that can connect with your audience, the jury, that's what I want to hear. That's what I want to see. So really, you can do it as a baby lawyer. Really, you should be doing it. And I've, I've tried a number of cases. Um, I've had, I mean, it's wild. I think that at the end of the day, when you're in trial, you're very reactive. You, you can plan, you do plan, you have to be incredibly prepared, but you also have to be quick on your feet and just go with the flow. It's very Zen almost, right? And if you can get your mental state it kind of lined up with, you know what, we're in trial and whatever gets thrown at me, I'm gonna handle, then you can try a case for sure. Wow. I'm like so good. Yeah. Like, oh, one day I, I just want that confidence, you know. I yeah. feel like also seeing it more like practicing exposure it. probably would like with COVID, it's been hard to watch court, like go to court. But thankfully, and this is a good segue actually, court TV. I mean, that's what we've been watching. And we've told law students, like, if you can't go to in-person court, like this is a great opportunity to get some exposure to what court is like, you know? Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got on court TV and what you do on court TV and all of that? Yeah, for sure. Well, if I do, before I get into that, I want to agree with you completely that it has been an interesting time with COVID and I've seen this with my students, right? So this semester is different. I have my students who are in their third year and for the most part, my students, they have to have a demonstrated interest in criminal law. So they're interning at a DA's office or a PD's office. I was worried, am I going to have a group of kids that has just significantly less exposure to court when I'm trying to, 
you know, I, I expect them to come with a certain level of experience. I will say my class has far exceeded my expectations. We've been on Zoom and they're incredible. And you can just make the best of any situation. And they certainly have. But you're right. When you're not, I was able to sit in a courtroom, any courtroom in you know the, the courthouse and watch a trial at least every one, once every two weeks. And you learn so much by watching others. You really do. You, you learn objections. You learn how to make that record. You learn you know, what to say to the judge at the right time by watching. Observation is key, but Court TV does provide quite, quite the, the view into the most important trials in our, in our country. And it's a good alternative <laughs> because certain, certain uh, judicial systems and court systems are open. And if they're open and they're trying to case, Court TV is covering it. I think it's an incredible network. I think they do incredible work in terms of journalism. I love how they cover a trial. They hit the ground running. They are in the courtroom day in, day out. I think it's incredible journalism. And I, I personally love true crime when I'm not doing it. I want to watch it. I want to take it all in. And, and they've been that way for decades now, three decades. Um, Court TV has been the leader in this type of thing. So yes, tune into Court TV. So for me, how I got on, it's interesting. Uh, they have bookers. So they have like individuals whose job it is to find talent. And they found me on LinkedIn pretty soon after I became like a free agent. I was, I was, as soon as I kind of announced that I was a solo practitioner. Um, and I guess this is, this is, you know, it's something to be said for social media and for networking. I, I love social media. I love networking online. I have an incredible network of lawyers across the world that I have met exclusively through things like Instagram and LinkedIn. And you never know what professional opportunities come from those platforms. And I got an email that said, hey, Molly, we saw you on LinkedIn and we see that you're an attorney with your firm here in Atlanta. Would Are you interested in doing Court TV? To which I said, of course, <laughs> this is like a dream. Yeah. And what they did, so the studio's in Atlanta. So it's here in Atlanta. We have a lot of you know film and television these days here in, in my city. So I came to the studio. I was so excited. It was just like you would imagine. They have like the makeup room. They fit you with your headset. Even to this day, like when I'm on it at my house now um, and doing it remotely, you still have like people talking in your ears and you have to focus, but you're being told things. It's, you know, <laughs> and they do your makeup and they, you know, you, you get seated. Um, but the thing is, is that they, they I think they, they kind of rotate people through and they try out a lot of people, but I did you know, I did well. Like I was a child actor. I have a little bit of a background in terms of performance. And um, I, I think I did really well. And they very quickly wanted me back. And um, I started bonding with a lot of the, the, um, the journalists and the hosts of the program. And now I'm on literally once a week, if not more. I mean, it's a weekly thing. And I think it just came down to them finding me randomly on LinkedIn and me going there and like, planning on killing it and doing a pretty good job. That's awesome. I love that uh, we stumbled upon Court TV and the fact, just like you said, the journalism mixed with the law, there's not much more I know I could ask for. And like you mentioned, loving true crime, we're big true crime fans as well. So yeah, I'm so glad to uh, know that getting on Court TV is possible for future lawyers, right? Absolutely. I mean, I would say, you know, for me, I kind of like I cleaned up my LinkedIn because I was launching my firm, right? They literally found me right after an overhaul of my LinkedIn account, which I did 
just because I was going to go out on my own and I wanted to be a little more focused on marketing and promotion and my image. As soon as I did that, you know, they reached out randomly through my email, through LinkedIn the next week. So I think there's something to be said for making sure whatever you're projecting is the best version of yourself. And you too can get a random email from this network that says, come on down, let's try it out. That's how it happens. Right. That is awesome. And you just have to have that good energy and manifest it. Like you said, I'm going to kill this and I'm going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I always, I always wanted, I always thought, man, I would love to be like a legal analyst. I'm, you know, you watch news programming and you wonder who these people are, or how they get on there. I always wanted to do it. And when that opportunity arose, I was there for it. I was my best self. I tried my hardest, which is generally, I think, good advice. Like just try your best. <laughs> Absolutely. So how did you get into teaching at Emory? I know you went to Emory. So did you approach, like, did the school approach you and they're like, come on and be an adjunct professor? And what is the course that you teach? What do you guys focus in on? Yeah. So I was, like I said, despite not being like a big law gunner, I was very involved. Like I was a student that I was the president of a lot of clubs. <laughs> you know, I was, I was constantly trying to organize. I was trying to put events on. I was, you know, I, I, I knew that law school for me and for anybody else really who's in law school, kind of depending on what you do, it's your last chance in academics. Make it count. Like just do it. Like do the school thing, be a leader. So I, um, was just very well known, right? I And I had good relationships with my professors. I not only was very social with my peers, but really was trying to reach out and network with people that were on the staff or the faculty. So when I left, I was asked to join the Young Alumni Board. I became the president of the Young Alumni Board. And I would say board service is very, very important. I do a lot of board service. And I was the president of the Young Alumni Board. And all we were doing is throwing social events. It was wonderful. Then I was asked to join the alumni board, which I'm still on. And I just kind of became somebody who, you know, the school could count on me. And I think part of it stemmed from being a Woodruff fellow and having this massive scholarship and feeling indebted. You know, they changed my life. I was just some, you know, teacher with you know, kind of a ragamuffin little teacher, from, you know, from nothing and nowhere. And they gave me this opportunity. And so I always wanted to give back. And I was ever present, even after graduating. So they had um, this one professor who was, ta- she became a dean a couple years ago, and she was tasked with kind of developing the adjunct faculty. And she and I had been very close in law school, and she reached out and said, we'd love to have you. Um, and I said, I would love to teach. So it just kind of was organic and kind of simple and casual, but maintaining that connection to the school, I think is what has caused them to maintain a connection with me. So the opportunity presented itself and I took it and the course is really great. The course is advanced criminal trial advocacy for three L's only small class, 12 students. It is very difficult to get into. There is a very long wait list. A couple years ago, there was a bribery scandal where people were paying others like $500 for a spot off the, off the wait list, which I was very proud of because I love a black market. Um, but it's, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. It wasn't really a scandal, but it is true. Somebody was like offering some money to get in, um, but it's that good of a class. And, uh, we teach trial skills. We teach how to try a case. Now it's focused mostly on federal court, 
Um, but my kids, my students, they're all really skilled. They're all on mock trial or moot court or they have these internships. So they come to me already with kind of like a knowledge and a skill set. What I try and do is something that's almost more, I mean, it's, it's less tied to anything formal and federal rules or the forensics of, of trial techniques. It's more about kind of tapping back into who they are and telling them not to compromise that and pulling out the best things about them and saying, that's what you're going to do to the jury and to the judge. Don't lose that. Focus on that. So we're very effusive with our compliments. Like all the kids are very talented. It's very difficult to criticize them. Much of the class stems from just pulling out what they have and encouraging them to keep doing exactly that. I mean, that's what you need, I'm sure, as a 3L and especially just that confidence to be in the courtroom and advocate for your client and to have someone like you telling them like, yes, this is what you need to be doing and tweak this and use that is, there's not much more you could ask for. So I want to take that class, (laughs) right? Yeah, I'm glad to hear it because I think you're right. Like as a 3L, I'm not trying to exhaust them. I'm not trying to make it seem onerous or burdensome. Like, I think that's what they need. They've gone through it. You guys are ready. You're ready. You're ready to be the lawyer. And I think it is kind of a vote of confidence. It's a bit of encouragement. It's not an easy class in terms of, I mean, probably some of my students would say it's easy because I am just so complimentary, but I really want them to emerge as the confident litigators I know they can be and also not compromise themselves or get too mired in what it means to be a lawyer and forget that a jury is comprised of just regular plain human beings, right? Exactly. Exactly. I think that's the quote right there. Right. (laughs) I love that. Awesome. Okay, Molly, we'll tell everybody where they can find you. Sure. So my firm is Parmer Law. We're in Midtown Atlanta. It's www.parmer.law. I am very active on Instagram. I do love Instagram. Molly Parmer, um, at Molly Parmer. And on LinkedIn, you can find me. I also on Facebook, I'm Parmer Criminal Defense. But either way, you can just throw my name into the search engine. And I, I come up in a few different ways. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you, ladies. It's such an honor to be here. You're doing something great. And I guess just to conclude, I would say, you know, be encouraged and it's exciting. Don't don't get too mired or distracted by the stresses of the school experience. It is stressful. I was stressed too. But looking back a decade later, it was a good decision. It was the right decision. And I'm an incredibly happy lawyer. And we exist. We do. And you too can be a very happy, well-adjusted joyful lawyer who wakes up every day and is thrilled to do what I'm able to do. She is so great, you guys. I mean, so inspiring. You just want to go out there and be the most bad A lawyer, female lawyer that you can be, channel all the Elwood's energy after talking to her. She's amazing. Yeah, if I ever needed a defense attorney, I would want her. So that, I mean, yeah, she's awesome. I want to take her class as well. I wish that she could be my professor. So (laughs) that would have been awesome. But um, yeah, I'm so happy that we got to interview her and let you guys know that Court TV is awesome because if you haven't tuned into Court TV, guys, 
definitely get on that. I know we have YouTube TV and Court TV is on there, but I know that um, some uh, most cable um, providers. providers have Court TV. So get on that. Yeah. And I mean, isn't it just so cool to meet a female who wants to work in criminal and is so passionate about it and isn't scared at all. I think that there's a lot of times, especially us two in our career have been deterred away from criminal law and seeing a woman so passionate and so unafraid of a challenge, like you, you know, say, like they say in all woods, I mean, like they say in Legally Blonde, she was so unafraid of a challenge. Like Molly Palmer is that. And I totally encourage you guys, if you're interested at all in doing criminal law or just, you know, getting some confidence in the courtroom, reach out to her and she can give you some advice and, you know, follow her on Instagram because she posts really funny things as a defense attorney and it's she's so coy and witty you just can't help but enjoy following her yes and definitely check out all her links in our show notes and give her a follow like Haley said um also make sure to follow us on instagram if you haven't yet it is at ladies who law school podcast we also have a facebook group and a facebook page so join those Yes. And as summer approaches, Memorial Day approaches, I hope you guys are doing well and staying safe and healthy and maintaining the most mental health and balance that you can in this crazy finals and end of the semester time. If you ever need anything, you know where to find us and we love you guys. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.